Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Hey, Sean Hannity here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, well, instinct, that might drive you to reach for a lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of using deadly force. Now, enter the burner, less lethal pistol launcher. It is equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo. It can incapacitate any attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states. It requires no background checks, and it can be shipped right to your door. Go to their website, byrna.com slash Hannity right now, and you'll get 10% off. Are you being influenced? Well, if you watched the blockbuster film in the last decade, well, then there's a chance it has been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Now, here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. Now, in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, well, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free when you go to the website, hollywoodtakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? Just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life. And, of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster. I stay asleep longer. And now you can, too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity. And Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has the special four-pack. Now, you get 40% off two MyPillow premiums and two go-anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow is made here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com right now or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity, to get Mike Lindell's special four-pack offer. You get two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows for 40% off, and that means once those pillows arrive, you start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep healing and recuperative sleep that you've been craving and you certainly deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. You will love this pillow. All right, glad you're with us. Happy Monday. Write down our toll-free telephone number. It's 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of this program. We got so much good stuff that we are going to fill these three hours with. Uh, I think you're going to be on the edge of your seat, which is our job to keep you interested and informed and up-to-date on the news and information you won't get from the destroy Trump, hate Trump, despise Trump, leftist media. Um, they hate being called out, too. And it's just a fact. You know, this president, with what happened last week with the president, he is now getting more done alone by himself than Congress could ever get done in eight years. And what we're watching unfold before our eyes, and we're going to get into this. I know we met with Mitch McConnell. Oh, we're good friends. They're not good friends. They hate each other. Let's be honest. I don't believe that for a second. Excessive expectations about how quickly exactly. things happen. 
in the democratic process. So the president last week, I I explained to you through his executive action, it's basically a 1974 law that applied to corporations in this country. For example, a lot of corporations, they have offices in California and New York and then Dallas and Atlanta, wherever they happen to have them. And corporations would be allowed, they'd be exempted from state mandated health laws which become extraordinarily burdensome, and then ACA Obamacare laws. And if you form a cor- association, corporation, or you're in the same business as somebody, now those same benefits apply to anybody that wants to form an association. Now, why is that good for you? That means that you have more purchasing power the more people you get in your association. I, I used the example last week of if everybody that works in radio and whatever – part of the genre doesn't matter what format but everybody from the salespeople to the well we don't have program directors anymore that are worth their salt a lot of in a lot of stations today some are great we don't have enough of them and then but it does if you work you know as an engineer if you work as a producer if you work as an on-air talent if you work in behind the scenes and affiliate relations whatever it happens to be you could all associate together and then we could buy a plan which let's say the purchasing power is 5,000 people, and you can get 5,000 people that all want health care plans. Now you start negotiating with Aetna and United and Blue Cross Blue Shield, and you say, all right, we have 5,000 customers that are going to need health care. Some have preexisting conditions. That would be a part of it. And you have different plans you negotiate out. You know, some would include, um, you know, a mandated top-of-the-line checkup every year for everybody. Some would but some would be inexpensive. You can Then one option might be just the catastrophic plan for people, which is if you have a high deductible, five ten thousand dollars $10,000, you don't get to any insurance help unless you have really serious injuries, a heart attack, a, a, God forbid you get cancer, have a bad accident. But one by one, this, this was literally a knife to Obamacare. And the people that have figured it out are the Democrats. This is it. And this is a death knell, and they're going to be challenging it and judge shopping, I'm sure, in, in the days and weeks ahead. I don't think they're going to win. I've, I've read the law myself, and, and my feeling on it, this is going to be pretty rock solid. And the president was well within his rights to do it. But he's doing the same thing on burdensome regulations for business. He's doing the same thing on climate issues, which is, for example, helping the coal industry. Now we have clean coal. Now we were you know, lowering our production every year because of Obama regulations and Hillary not even wanting coal business in this country. And now the the coal business and the coal industry is now thriving. And the same thing with fracking. And now we opened Anwar. And the same thing with free trade, no sh- negotiating free trade agreements. Then you've got health care. Then immigration, illegal immigration is down 70 percent. Now he's negotiating the money for the wall. So that we can build it and we can bring it down to zero. The same thing with Iran and foreign policy, decertifying this bad Obama deal there. I mean, he's not just sitting around doing nothing. And he's literally, you know, systematically just striking down one Obama policy after another and chipping away at all the damage that Obama did. And if he can't get Congress, the House and Senate to get along, then all right, well, then he's going to do everything he can do on his own. And that's why his approval rating keeps going up and Congress's approval rating keeps going down. So you've got literally record low approval ratings, but record high consumer confidence because people see what's happening. Businesses are feeling the impact of the positive changes. 
And then now we just have to rely on the Senate. The House is out this week. Now we just have to rely on the Senate to do their job. And they're in session this week. And so we'll see what happens. The president is ratcheting up pressure on the GOP Congress over health care and taxes. And several times he said that his decision last week would push Democrats to cut a deal with the GOP on short term fixes to Obamacare. He's right. He could probably get some more wins that way. And I don't see any evidence of this on the Hill. I just see anger beginning to come out of the Democratic Party because he's doing legal things that are giving people better options and choices, which is what all Republicans have promised on their own. And it's just sad that they can't, you know, get their act together. So the Senate, they were off last week. The House is out this week. And the Senate now is going to focus on their action of their budget outline for 2018, which is what the House did. Assuming they can get this done, I hear they're going to have a hard time doing it. But the Senate's going to try and vote this week on a budget framework for next year, which means some tough votes along the way for spending and tax reform. And we're beginning to then get the get in place the foundation to have this tax reform and the president desperately needs if we want to grow the economy and create jobs and get people out of off of food stamps and out of poverty and back into the workplace. So those are the things that are happening on that front. And it's all good stuff. And you don't hear a lot about it in the mainstream media because they're just obsessed with anything that they can that that they think that they think negatively impacts this president. They're never going to say a good thing about the president. Where did I see this tweet today? The vice president, NBC News, ran a thousand Trump stories with anonymous sources, but they refused to run Harvey Weinstein's story with police reports and eyewitnesses. You had one of the rape victims of Weinstein willing to go on tape with Ronan Farrow. Ronan Farrow got the woman because NBC said, no, he actually got his own film crew and then sat down with the woman. She told her story. And if it wasn't for The New Yorker, you know, he wouldn't have had any other place to go. And now they look bad, just like The New York Times had the story back in 2004. And they look bad, too. That means that everybody helped enable Weinstein. Now, let me tell you what what's happening here with with all this Weinstein stuff. And then we'll get Colin Kaepernick, by the way, claims he was blackballed by the NFL owners. And he's got Mark Garagos, who's a very good attorney. Mark Garagos is a kick ass attorney on his side. So um, that's going to be interesting to watch unfold. Anyway, so Hillary literally has taken a fall in London, we're told, and that's forcing her to cancel her book tour there. I was running down the stairs in heels with a cup of coffee in hand. I was talking over my shoulder and my heel caught and I fell backwards. So she's done with her book tour. Now, the problem is, is Hillary now is out there and sounding dumber every day. Listen to Hillary this weekend, you know, talking about Donald Trump in the in the White House. We've elected someone who's admitted to sexual assault. You are a, a beacon of feminism. You talk of, you know, for women's rights. You knew Harvey Weinstein well. At what stage? And you must have known the rumors about him. Harvey no, will be no, Harvey. No, I'm not. No, I did not. I, that, I did not I mean, know. But everyone knew rumors about him. Not specific cases, but well, everyone knew that Harvey Weinstein, apparently, in his circle, um, was a little bit, you know. Well, I, all I can tell you is that I did not hear those things. Look, we just elected a person who admitted sexual assault to the presidency. Uh, so there's a lot of other issues that are swirling around these 
uh, kinds of behaviors that need to be addressed. And I think it's uh, important that we stay focused and shine a bright spotlight and try to get people to understand how damaging this is. And the women coming forward is the only way that that story will be told. This kind of behavior cannot be tolerated anywhere, whether it's in entertainment, politics. After all, we have someone admitting to being a sexual assaulter in the Oval Office. There has to be a recognition that we must stand against this kind of, uh, you know, action that is so sexist and misogynistic. And this depends upon women coming forward and having the courage to come forward. And yet in your book, the three women brought onto stage Mm -hmm. by Trump attacking your husband, and you kind of dismiss them. Was that the right thing to do? Are you sure about that? Well, yes, because that had all been litigated. I mean, that was the no, subject of a huge it had. Uh, you know, investigation, as you might recall, in the late 90s. And uh, there were conclusions drawn, and that was clearly in the past. Uh, but it is something that has to be taken seriously. As I say, for everyone, not just for those in entertainment right now. The president never admitted to any sexual assault. And when the New York Times ran that piece, it mentioned a former girlfriend and Carrie Prejean. We put all the women on and they said the New York Times purposely took them out of context. So she's not telling the truth. And I'm not sure if she hurt her ankle. Okay, I'm sorry. But the bottom line is she can't deal with her book tour anymore because of her husband. And we have new details emerging every minute. Harvey Weinstein helped bankroll Bill Clinton's Lewinsky defense. Slick Willie. And she was the one out there in, in on all these shows, a part of a group smearing and slandering and besmirching and character assassination of, let's see, Paula Jones, drag a dollar through a trailer park. You never know what somebody's going to say. And, and the left took it. The left accepted it. His numbers never went higher. They didn't care. And then we find out Weinstein helped bankroll that defense. And Weinstein questions now have the Clintons on the run because now the world has changed. And now Hillary would have to actually admit that the real person that was guilty of sexual assault was her husband. And she'd have to ask questions of her husband, which did she ever ask him? Did Paula Jones lie to me? Is she lying to the country? Was did you really show your penis to Paula Jones? Pull down your pants and say kiss it? Did you fondle, grope, kiss, grab, touch Kathleen Willie, or did you not? Because that's what all the accusations are. And she never said a word. You know, now the Clinton Foundation, they won't even return the two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in donation that Weinstein gave to the Clinton Foundation. Just like nobody in the media except me during this election kept saying she's taking money from countries that abuse women, severely abuse women, marital rape, not a crime, uh, domestic abuse, not a crime, not voting, not uh, not driving a car, told how to dress and then kill gays and lesbians. Wow. Sean Hannity saying, why would you take money from a country that kills innocent people? And imprisons a group of people, women, and you're the great feminist. And then and persecutes Christians and Jews. So the DNC, they're keeping the money. The Clinton Foundation is keeping the money. You know, and then Hillary's now lecturing the world about sexism and misogyny is an epidemic in society. And yeah, your husband got away with almost all of it. Slick Willie. And you didn't say a word. Just like you took the money of countries that practice Sharia and they bought your silence. And you're keeping Harvey Weinstein's money, too, because money means more than these phony words that you're uttering out on the campaign trail. 
Wait till you hear the stories about the casting couch. We have uh, an actress and a singer. It's in, it's in the music business, the movie business, the TV business, modeling business. It's all over the place. And liberals have known about this for years. Hollywood knew. The Democrats knew. And the media is known. And they did nothing. Bunch of phony hypocrites. Wait till you hear the Kaya Jones story and the Tracy Melchior story, which we're going to hear today. All right, the latest with Colin Kaepernick. We'll get some calls in here, too. I see the people are phones ablazing, as we say, and I know we've got a lot to get to. Um, We do have one bit of good note on Vegas. Everybody's writing me. Everybody has a different theory. Everybody's asking what I know that I'm being told. I don't know why the guy, the, the security guard, canceled Mr. Campos the other night. I'm not judging it. I'm not making determinations over it. Uh, and I know that the Twitter and the social media verse went insane over it. Uh, he's welcome on the show anytime. Um, I'm frustrated, like many of you, that we don't have more answers as to what really happened here. And we need answers. This guy can't be a total enigma. You know, he can't be a ghost. I'm not buying that. One bit of good news, uh, a young woman, Tina Frost. I'm pretty sure I met this girl's mother, I think. I, I had a discussion because she told me, I met a woman who told me her daughter is in a medically induced coma. And I so maybe it's her. I don't know. Anyway, the good news was she was a victim and she had a bullet that struck her in the forehead. And she woke up late Friday and took her first steps in sustaining this bullet to the forehead after being shot by this madman. And she opened her eyes and, you know, took a little look around the room, started tapping whenever the music that they played. Her mother was there. She said in a statement, anyway, she was hit by one of the bullets. If things work out, by the end of the week, I am going back to Vegas. And there's a special concert that is being put together to help the families of victims. And I've been asked to be a part of it. I'm doing everything in my power to make it happen. And it would be an honor to go back out there. And Rascal Flats, Big and Rich are going to be playing. It'll be at the Orleans. I don't know anything about tickets. Uh, I'm not even locked in yet. Uh, But I'm trying to do everything I can do to get there by the end of the week. And we have other travel plans. Sunday, I'm going to be at Robert Jeffers Church in Dallas. And then Pastor Scott's church in Cleveland on Sunday night. So we're hitting the road. It's all in promotion of my movie out October 27, Let There Be Light. And you can go to Hannity.com for information on theaters. Hey, guys, you know how much I love Tommy John's underwear, undershirts, and their socks. They are the best. Yet, you know what? We're getting a lot of feedback from Hannity listeners, too. And guess what? Tommy John sent me a few testimonials from real live Sean Hannity Show listeners. So I'm going to share them with you. Dave says, I can't believe I'm saying this, but they have actually changed my life. Mark says, great materials, great fit, a great example of how doing something very basic, very well, can make a surprisingly positive impact on the quality of life. And Gary says, My grumpy stepfather actually thanked me for the gift of Tommy John's. That's a first in the 40 years I've known him. Louise says, my husband is walking, bending, and lifting all day. This is the first pair of underwear that doesn't roll down and ride up. He loves them. Now, you've heard the reviews. What are you waiting for? You have nothing to lose with Tommy John. It's the best pair you'll ever wear. It's free, guarantee. Just go to TommyJohn.com slash Hannity. You get 20% off your first order. TommyJohn.com slash Hannity. 20% off. 
holding them accountable. Sean gets the answers no one else does. America deserves to know the truth about Congress. Do you support what uh, has happened for Democrats returning any type of con contribution money that they've received from Weinstein over the years? Well, I think the allegations are shocking, uh, and they keep coming out. And I think that, uh, you know, the dismantlement of his company is absolutely necessary. He is saying that it was consenting adults involved in, you know, these allegations. I I think that um, it is outrageous that he needs to be dealt with, that women are getting absolutely tired of being taken advantage of. You know, this story about the casting couch has been going on for years in Hollywood with more than even Weinstein. And I think it's about time that we move very aggressively to put an end to it. He deserves to be punished. He deserves to have to be accountable for these allegations if, in fact, they're proven to be true. And I don't think that these many people would be coming out with these charges unless something was, was going on there. And what about the money? Are you supportive of the DNC uh, giving oh, yeah. it back? Giving oh, them yes, charities? they should give it back to them because, first of all, um, they may not have known uh, what was going on. But the fact that they now know. They know now. Uh, yeah. They know now. They ought to give them the money back and make sure that the word goes out that the Democratic Party does not welcome that kind of money uh, coming into our campaigns and uh, dealing with, you know, our elections. It is, it is not to be accepted by us. When you're on my time, I can reclaim it. Can you play more of the Reclaiming My Time, please? Reclaiming My Time. Reclaiming My Time. Reclaiming My Time. Okay. This is like a, this is like a conversation with my producer, Linda. Please. Because I thought I was allowed to answer questions. Reclaiming My Time. Well, who's who? Am I Mnuchin? leave a message. Reclaiming My Time. Yeah, I mean, I'm Mnuchin. I'm the conservative, and you're the Democrat? No, I'm not. I'm not. No, I am not Maxine Waters in this. I have to say, though, it, it never gets old for me. It's funny every time she says it. And it's really scary because she's an elected official. She actually represents our government. Oh, my gosh. That's so scary. Um, anyway, reclaiming my time. Reclaiming, reclaiming my time. time. Uh, anyway, interesting what she had to say about Weinstein. It's so amazing. They're trying to make this about Donald Trump. And it's not, you know why it's not going to work? I'm not going to let them make it work. And I am going to point out every Democrat that won't give the money back and the Clintons, starting with them and every apply every word that Hillary is now using to her husband and to her blind eye taking money from countries that abuse women and kill gays and lesbians and persecute Christians and Jews, because I wouldn't take a penny from any of them. It's unbelievable. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, all right. I want to tell you about Colin Kaepernick. With the uh, NFL owners now slated to meet in New York, we have a great debate later today. Burgess Owens and Joe Theismann, Theismann, former Washington Redskins quarterback, and Burgess Owens, former NFL Super Bowl champion. Uh, anyway, at Slated for New in New York this week in their fall meetings, now you've got Colin Kaepernick filing a grievance against the league stemming from his lack of employment. And he has hired 
big league attorney, a guy by the name of Mark Garagos. If, if you've watched cable news over there, as you know, Mark Garagos is really good at his job. Anyway, it's a grievance which uh, apparently Kaepernick's attorneys are seeking expedited discovery, including depositions and document production which is an enormous request, which, if granted, would seek to draw out any informational exchanges that league employees, owners, and even front offices have about Kaepernick. NFL general counsel was made aware of the grievance by Kaepernick's representatives on Friday, and the grievance is expected to allege that NFL teams, specifically owners, have worked in unison to keep Kaepernick out of the league, violating the collective bargaining agreement between the NFL and the Players Union, and the grievance has been filed. Although he didn't use the Players Union to file this, which is weird. It's been filed under the terms of the CBA that were signed by the League and NFL Players Association in 2011. Now, look, this is a guy that I thought had a lot of potential, Colin Kaepernick. But he led the San Francisco 49ers to the Super Bowl following the 2012 season, you know, and then he remained unsigned since opting out of his contract in March. And the 49ers were planning to release Kaepernick during the offseason and had he not op- opted out of his deal. And he's accusing owners of collusion. Well, he's also, you know, we were talking about this last week. He also wasn't the quarterback he once was. Now, what happened in the year that he had that was so bad, Jason? You're a football expert here. He was just playing awful. I don't know. The The thing that I noticed was that the 49ers brought in a bunch of receivers. They wanted them to throw the ball more when they were a run-first team, and it didn't work out. They, right. he, he wasn't He wasn't a classic drop-back passer. They wanted him to stay in the pocket, and and it didn't work out for him, and, and he just progressively got worse. They made coaching changes. I mean, Harbaugh knew and how to get the best so they, out of him. And then they, yeah, and then so he, he's out. He's opted out. This happens in the NFL all the time. This is not breaking news. And his, his fall was so precipitous, though. I mean, he was as good as there was in the league, and he just crashed and burned fast. No, listen, he was selected by the 49ers in the 2011 draft. He led the 49ers to the Super Bowl in 2012. He came out of nowhere and the NFC Championship game the following year. Then he seemed to implode. There's a great article I read about this on Google. And over the next two years, his throwing arm regressed. His overall skills, these are their words, not mine, as a rushing quarterback diminished. Injuries only made matters worse, and the team finally gave up on him, which is very common. Look at the Jets. How many quarterbacks have the Jets had in the last? The only stable quarterback they ever had was Joe Namath. I mean, that's how far back the Jets. Chad some love. He was decent for a few years. He was fine, but as I said, Joe Namath was only the real franchise quarterback. Not a fan of Ken O'Brien either? Uh, Actually, I think the guy this year is doing pretty, pretty good. Ryan Fitzgerald had a good year, the one year he did it. I thought he did really well. Yeah, Fitzpatrick had a career year and then turned back into Ryan Fitzpatrick. (laughs) This is such a, you know, I love this. Everybody said it's so easy to be a quarterback. Uh, I think there's very few. You'd have to put Tom Brady in a class of his own. I think you just you can't get over the guy. Eli Manning when he's good. Peyton Manning was great. Um, Joe Montana was great. You don't have many great great quarterbacks, franchise quarterbacks that make it. Aaron Rodgers is great. Too bad he broke his collarbone yesterday. That's bad for the Packers. They were on their way to having a great season. Um, you know, uh, what's his name uh, now owns or is the manager of the Broncos? John Elway. Yeah, John Elway was Dan a great Marino. quarterback. Dan Marino was a great quarterback, but Dan Marino couldn't get the ring. 
his whole career, but he was with Miami. Yeah, just because you don't get the ring. I mean, he's a you know what was great. Fran, Fran Tarkenton was a great quarterback and an excellent businessman. Um, I used to love Kenny Stabler back in the day. The snake. Remember Roger Stallback? Roger Stallback. And uh, I like the new quarterback the Dallas Cowboys have. Dak. Dak. My son loves Dak. My son has more Dak gear than anybody that I know. I'm like, well, how did you become a Dallas Cowboys fan? And he gives me a great answer. You know what he says? Dad, they're America's team. Why, don't you, why aren't you a fan? That's a pretty darn good answer. What about your boy Drew Brees? He's, he's like going Drew. to the Hall of Fame. He Drew, will go Drew, to the Hall Drew Brees is a class act. You know, and there might be, you know, I actually think in the case of Tim Tebow, he was punished for taking a knee in prayer. Which, you know, do, do we want these athletes to be some role models or not? Which I thought was a, but I think that hurt him because it became a distraction. Everyone forgot that he was the guy that won in overtime for the Broncos and got them to the championship, the AFC championship game. Why are you looking at me? You sound like you're Stephen doing, A. Smith you're, you're now. You're doing it again. He had one game. Oh, one game. Sake. And it was a big game and yes, a big moment. Yes, Let's forget that the Steelers lost five starters in that game. You could have thrown against the Steelers. <laughs> Let it go. What happened to them in New England next week? Mm. They lost to New mm. well, England. New England's tough to beat. In the they p- got blown out. Listen, you got to give Bill Belichick. He, he reminds me. He's the Knicks uh, um, so, Nick Saban. Saban of uh, professional quarter of, of professional teams. Nick Bill Belichick be always puts. Lieutenants. Yeah, I mean Belichick always puts a good team on the field. And Belichick, I love Bill Belichick press conferences. All right, start firing questions at me. Go ahead, you guys go. Ready, go. What color are the uniforms? Yeah, you know, the same as usual. Yeah. Next. Uh, uh, why did your team give up so many points? Uh, just one of those days. Is Tom Brady hurt? No. How how is team morale? Good. It's like my it's like when I bring my kids on the air over the years. How was school? Good. Patrick was amazing last time. I don't remember. Did he talk? Yeah, he it knocked did. it out of the park. You were having him recite the six rules or the five oh, rules. Oh yeah, daddy's now the seven rules. And actually, then you gave a seventh. You added a seventh on the air, and I said, Patrick, I can't. No, he, no, the true. seventh was in place for a while. And he totally went. He's like, absolutely, Linda. That was an addendum. It was just added last week. <laughs> I was like, who are you? <laughs> uh, my daughter's getting. You know, it's funny because. My daughter, you could know her for a year and not know that she's crazy and fun and talks a lot. She just, she'll wait until she gets comfortable with you and then God help you. It's hilarious. Just like, just like her father. Great. Uh, all right, let's get some phone calls in here. Let's say hi to Jonathan is in Tennessee. Jonathan, how are you? What's going on? Good. How are you doing, Mr. Handy? I'm good, sir. What's going on with you? Uh, I just wanted to uh, call. Thank you for all you do because, uh, you know, you do uh, do a great service with your programs, both on radio and on Fox, and I uh, want to let you know that you're part of my inspiration. Uh, I'm actually going to be putting my name in for the upcoming senatorial race in the state of Tennessee as just your everyday common man. You know what? That's the guy that I want in office, a guy that's not going to make this a lifelong career, that's going to go serve, make the right decisions for his state, for his community, and go home. That's the guy yep. I like. You know, Donald Trump's yep. only going to be in office eight years, and then he goes home. Yep. And I'll tell you, by the time he leaves, he'll be glad to go back to his old life. And uh-huh. he didn't do this for the money. He didn't do it for the fame. He did it because he wanted to serve the country. Everybody seems to forget that part. And, um, you know, some people, there are so many people that do it for all the wrong reasons. Well, good luck, Jonathan. We wish you the best, my friend. Uh, Stephen Spokane, Washington. What's up, Stephen? How are you? Good afternoon, Sean. Uh, a thought occurred to me. 
The Democrats are so anxious to give back all the money that Harvey Weinstein donated. Why don't they give back all the money that Bill Clinton's raised for them over the decades? Shouldn't they do that? Yeah, I think absolutely. Absolutely they should give the money back. And the fact I mean, that the DNC's not giving it back, Clinton's not giving it back, just like she's not giving back money from Sharia countries, they bought her silence. And it shows what a total hypocrite. Everything that the left says about conservatives, they're guilty of. They're the ones taking money from countries that abuse women, kill gays and lesbians, and persecute Christians and Jews. I'm sick and tired every election of being called racist, sexist, misogynist. One of the biggest lies ever told was about Mitt Romney. He had women's resumes, and they wanted to excoriate this poor man as being a misogynist because he had their resumes that he wanted to hire them. What a horrible human being. Uh, Let's go to Elizabeth, Boca Raton, Florida. What's going on, Elizabeth? How are you? Hey there, Sean. Thanks for the phone call. Thanks for listening. Um, And thanks for all your hard work out there. I just wanted to touch base on the Weinstein story. It just, when I I heard it, I wasn't shocked and I wasn't surprised, okay? I'm a former New York City girl, born and raised, big family. And it's like Hollywood at its best. And Hillary's statement that she was surprised by his behavior. And I'm looking at this story and I'm like, wait a minute, Bill Clinton, Wiener, Weinstein, everyone she surrounds herself with, they're creeps, they're corrupt, they're liars, and all of Hollywood is shocked by this. But my thing is, I'm, w- I'm watching this story unfold, and I'm like, somehow the media and Hillary and her camp or whoever it is behind the left scene is trying to stick this story to Donald Trump. And it's it's, not, they're baiting him. It's almost like she's baiting him. She's like, come on, yeah, come there's on. Some, there's, there's some a man truth in the that. White House, you know. And uh, it's just amazing that nobody talks about that, how she baits the president. And I guess they don't want to give her any relevance. I hate talking about her on air or to anybody because it gives her relevance. But it's just offensive as a woman. All these women saying they're shocked, all these women saying it happened to them. And they were the ones going around the last two years pointing the finger at Donald Trump and standing for women in Washington. So it's like, wait a minute, 20 years you're an actress, and you're allowing this man to work with young women and young men, knowing what he's done to you, and you're standing in Washington telling us that you care about us, and you're defending us against this person that you find so offensive, but the people that are offensive are the ones supporting us. Her and her friends did more abusive things to women in terms of smearing, slandering, besmirching them than I've ever seen in my lifetime. Don't lecture us on women. All right, 800, good call. Thank you, Elizabeth. 800-941-SEAN. All right, at the top of the hour, you're going to meet two women. That one in the music industry, one in the television movie industry, and both of them have gone through horrific experiences, and they're speaking out. That's next. Then we have Burgess Owen and Joe Theismann. Then we'll check in with our friends from the Freedom Caucus. Mark Meadows is going to join us today, as well as Congressman Tom Garrett, Jr. of Virginia. All right, when we come back, how bad is Hollywood, the music industry, the modeling industry, the TV industry? You're going to meet two women victimized in a major way. And we have Mark Meadows, chairman of the Freedom Caucus, also Tom Garrett, congressman from Virginia. Then Burgess Owens battles it out with Joe Theismann over the latest as it relates to uh, Colin Kaepernick. And I want to remind you, well, we are now counting down two weeks and counting to the release of my movie, theaters that it is debuting in is on Hannity.com. The movie's Let There Be Light, and we need some in light of Hollywood's, well, awful behavior. 
So hour two of the Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. If you want to be a part of this extravaganza, we have a lot of news as it relates to the Clintons and the Democrats and money that they got from Harvey Weinstein. I mean, it is pretty the amount of money we're talking about is pretty insane. And uh, anyway, so we have some new statistics out here, and, and some of them are pretty shocking. And one of them, for example, is that all the money that was given by Weinstein to the DNC, they're keeping 90% of the money. The Clinton Foundation is keeping $250,000 of the money. You know, now Weinstein questions have Bill and Hillary and Chelsea on the run. And Hillary actually made some comments this weekend. And let me play them for you. You are a, a beacon of feminism. You talk of, you know, for women's rights. You knew Harvey Weinstein well. At what stage? And you must have known the rumors about him. Harvey no, will be I, Harvey. No, I'm not. No, I did not. I, I did not I mean, know. But everyone knew rumors about him. Not specific cases, but well, everyone knew that Harvey Weinstein, apparently, in his circle, um, was a little bit, you know... Well, all I can tell you is that I did not hear those things. Look, we just elected a person who admitted sexual assault to the presidency. Uh, So there's a lot of other issues that are swirling around these uh, kinds of behaviors that need to be addressed. And I think it's uh, important that we stay focused and shine a bright spotlight and try to get people to understand how damaging this is. And the women coming forward is the only way that that story will be told. This kind of behavior cannot be tolerated anywhere. And this depends upon women coming forward and having yeah. the courage to come forward. Right. And yet in your book, the three women brought onto stage mm-hmm. by Trump attacking your husband, and you kind of dismiss them. Was that the right thing to do? Are you sure about that? Well, yes, because that had all been litigated. I mean, that was the subject of a huge uh, you mm. know, investigation, as you might recall, in the late 90s. And uh, there were conclusions drawn, and that was clearly in the past. Uh, but it is something that has to be taken seriously. As I say, for everyone, not just for those in entertainment right now. Oh, really? Were they litigated? Not really. In the case, yeah, you did have to pay Paula Jones $850,000, but Hillary was part of the effort. And now we find out Harvey Weinstein helped bankroll the Clinton Lewinsky defense at the time. And remember the treatment of Kathleen Willey and Jennifer Flowers and, and Paula Jones and Juanita Broderick. Really? Just apply all of those words to her husband, who was in the White House, and she knew it. She defended him to the nth degree and said, and and they smeared and slandered every one of those women. And then, of course, she takes millions and millions of dollars from countries where women are told how to dress. They can't drive. They can't vote. They can't travel. That marital rape is not a crime in these countries, and even... Domestic abuse is not a crime in these countries where gays and lesbians are often killed just for being who they are. And then, of course, you have, you know, Christians and Jews. You can't build a temple in Saudi Arabia. You can't build a Christian church in Saudi Arabia. And she took tens of millions of dollars from those countries and they bought her silence because she doesn't say a word about it. What a phony. Anyway, joining us now is Tracy Melchior is with us. She's an actress, entertainer, best known for her roles on One Life to Live, The Bold, Beautiful, and Sunset Beach, author of the book Breaking the Perfect Ten, Kaya Jones, formerly with the Pussycat Dolls, uh, who has a great single out now, by the way, here to discuss the ongoing allegations of Weinstein. And she was quoted over the weekend as saying that when she was working and singing for the Pussycat Dolls, they were basically hired prostitutes who were owned and controlled by those with the money. 
Taya, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks, Don. So t- when, what do you mean, so you were a part of a very successful band, the right. Pussycat Dolls. Okay. What do, you yeah. e- what do you mean it was like a prostitution ring? When I say that, what I mean is that prostitution is accepting money for sex. And I, what, literally what I meant was we have girls that wanted to sing just like many girls in this business want to sing or they want to act. And we're propositioned. And in order to move forward in your career, you're given a, a, an ultimatum or an opportunity to sleep with an executive or be pushed onto somebody in a high platform in this business. That's exactly what I meant. Um, whether it's a job or you're taking cash, what is the difference? Prostitution is prostitution. Well, I and so, but would you? Did you ever feel you were forced to sleep with people if you wanted your career to move forward? One hundred percent, and I chose not to, which is why I've had to do it independently. This whole road has been a hard journey of struggling, not having funding, having to do it on my own, creating my own work, working with producers, finding them on my own. I walked away from the Pussycat Dolls because I was not willing to outsleep my bandmates. Wow. They all need to come forward. They all need to come forward. They all knew. And our dead mother who controlled us, she knew too. Everybody did. That, that is so sad. Have you run in, Have you run into good people that, that like your talent, your voice, oh. your performances, and, and just are in it because they like what you do? Oh, of course. You know, yes. There are good people in this business. It's hard to find them. Um, most people that have had to turn a blind eye or walk away from situations, you know, I've come into contact with now. I think it's a beautiful time right now. There's a movement in this country of a lot of love and God, and you can feel the energy of positive affirmations coming forward, which is why all of these people are being exposed because they're downright evil, what they do to young women and to young men. So this is in the music business, the modeling business, the television business, and the movie business. It's everywhere. Oh, it's everywhere. And that's why you're seeing it all with this colluding with, you know, Congress and people in government. Because it it literally, you know, look at the Hillary Clinton campaign. It's all of these celebrities, but she had no idea. Come on now. Everybody is friends with each other. You know, you utilize celebrities to get your narrative out because they have a pull or they have a focus. So everybody's friends with each other, and they, of course they know. Wow. Now, Tracy, you have a heartbreaking story in your experience as an actress. Let me play an exchange. It's a little hard to hear uh, of you being on Larry King Live and what you said in this interview. This is back in 2005. Listen to this. My sister and I had met a couple of guys on an airplane, and we went to this. They invited us back to their apartment or something after. Well, you yeah, and I don't even really remember what or where, if it was, it's all foggy um, at this point, how we got in this situation with these guys, but we had just met them, and they'd invited us back to their apartment, it was two guys and me and my sister, and we went with them, and um, they, it was, you know, we were drinking tequila, we had this big water bag, <laughs> I'm proud of that, but next thing I knew, and I, I I really believe that there was some sort of a date drug, drug or something in either the pot was laced or something because the feeling was so bizarre. It was, um, I, I felt like I passed out. I felt like I was going to pass out. I passed out and I wake up in a bedroom with the guy and he's raping me. But I am physically unable to speak, to stop him, to move my body in any way. And I'm completely aware of what's going on. Did you bring any charges against that guy? No. Why not? I guess the same reason most people don't. It's it's um, the shame. 
the shame of it. Like, well, why was I there? I was smoking pot and drinking tequila. I just, why did you go to your apartment? Must have some attraction. Yeah, I was attracted to him, and I was, what was I thinking? And I felt like I deserved it, in a sense. And, um, what did it do to you, mentally? It just... Did you close the door yeah. now it's open again, right? Well, actually, no. It, it, it just further cemented my belief that, you know, your physical body and your feelings just need to be suppressed. Tracy, so you were raped in this incident, and yeah. you it sounds like what was alleged with Bill Cosby, that so, they drugged you and... You're half, you know, dazed and confused, and the next thing you know, you wake up and somebody's raping you when you're in a bedroom that you don't even know how you got there. Exactly. And it, That's it's horrible. so sad when I listen back to that, you know, because you grow up and you understand more and everything, and it's like, I, I, it's just so sad because I think so many of these women, and I don't know if Kaya can relate, but I mean, I had so many issues from my childhood where I didn't feel like I had self-worth. And I just wanted to mm-hmm. matter. I wanted to be important. And mm-hmm. I realized at a very young age, as a woman, you are never more valuable than when you're naked. And you never have as much of that male attention that, you know, like I was craving from father figures. You, you, you're number one to a guy when you're standing in front of him naked. And that was like the payoff for me was like, nothing is going to distract this guy from me right now. I matter. And that's mm-hmm. what I craved. That's the, I'm listening here as a guy and what you know and I have sisters and I have a daughter and that this is a father's worst nightmare what you're both describing and quick break right back we'll continue. All right as we continue with Tracy Melchior and Kaya Jones who have experienced a lot of what we've been discussing regarding Harvey Weinstein and it's more common than anybody knows. This is the casting couch syndrome is that mm-hmm. they bring you in, and, and let's say you have a naturally talented ability to sing like Kaya, or, or Tracy, you had a natural ability to be an actress. And so you're brought in, and you're, you're put on the casting couch, and immediately you begin to realize that, oh, you can get the job, you'll get the gig, but there's a quid pro quo associated with that. How often did you both mm-hmm. experience that? To me, it was never quite direct like that, but it was, we, it, you know that your connections in the industry are how it works you know it's who you know right um so it was just for me i wanted to associate with them and the first time was i was out at a club in hollywood with a girlfriend and the guy came up to us and he's like you're too pretty to wait in line Do you guys want to get into the club i can get you in and we're like yeah sure well next thing you know we're sitting next to a very well-known hollywood producer and, you know, we're kind of schmoozed the whole night. And I was with my girlfriend, but the guy gave me his card at the end. And he's like, I can get you into a lot of other places and meet a lot of people. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. And, you know, I was like, is he like a manager? And he kind of like acted like he was the manager, but he was more of a handler. And it was like, hey, oh, hey, so we're going to this restaurant, meet us, and that's how it started. And the next thing you know, you're back at their house, you in a group, mm-hmm. and you're all, like, having a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, you know, you're by yourself with two executives and one of the girls from the group, and you're at a house, you know, in Malibu, and you're like, what are we doing here, and where are their wives, and where is the rest of the, the girls? I wanted to just say, I as somebody who... At 12 years old was the first time I was assaulted. It was an 18-year-old boy. I had an older sister. She had friends over. They were all, and this guy wandered off into where I was watching TV and attempted to rape me. And I, um, 
somebody came in at the very last second. Um, and I just, I think it's really important to differentiate the different, like sexual assault, I feel like it's such a broad term and it's kind of thrown around almost like I, there used to be a joke I heard where what's the difference between sexual assault and flirting as if he's cute. And I think it's important because some people I hear now, everybody's like, oh, I've been assaulted and their stories are pretty mild in my, you know what I mean? And I don't mean to discredit them, but well, you're, off, you're talking minor, about being a victim of real assault, real rape and really yeah. da- dangerous situations. Um, it's so sad to hear this. It, it breaks my heart, and it just is—it's painful to hear it. And it's—I it, can only imagine the the pain and the trauma you'll live with. I don't guess that you really ever get over trauma like this, Kaya. Do you get? I no. mean, I know you're tough, but do you ever get over? I couldn't imagine it. No, I don't think I don't think that you can ever get over being violated or uh, mistreated in any circumstance. A lot of my mental state and what I feel that I've had to, you know, overcome is the mental and emotional abuse that came along with the sexual advances. You know, having to try and get through certain seeds that are planted in your mind and you allow them to grow, but they are planted and they're planted by people in powerful positions that are holding your dreams. And so, you in some way think equates like if I don't tell, then, you know, loose lips think ships and I can continue in this company or business. And you and you play on those narratives where I'm finally speaking out because I, you know, saw what Rose came out and said. I've been speaking out since 2005. So I'm, disgusting. I mean, Tracy, I want to get you, your last thoughts on this. And I look. disagree with Kaya. I think you can get over it. I I took a, a big Part for me getting over it was taking responsibility for my part in it. I. Well, but wait, I why I are like you blaming I, yourself, though? I mean, I don't know. Somebody, not, if somebody not blaming myself, but just starting to change how I engaged and putting myself in those positions. Right. And I became a Christian. I felt all of that could be washed away. I put all my faith and my hope and everything in God now. And. Yeah, when I talk about it, I mean, I had to call my best friend and cry on the phone with her before I could do this interview. Um, and there's still pain there, but I feel like I, you're not a forever victim, you know. Um, but there's still there's still hurt. there's still a raw nerve here. I mean, I hear it in your voice. I've known you for a while, and yeah, I mean, I hear pain. I hear trauma. I hear. Abuse. Well, yeah, I, guess, I do too. I just want to give hope. I don't want to be like, oh my gosh, you know, I just, I'm not a victim card type person. And I just really want, if there are girls listening, that there is hope, that it's not like forever. I have, and I've been married for 18 years. Can I just add one thing to this? There are yes. good people out there, and there, there is a lesson for girls. Never put what you want above what is right for you. In other words, yeah, maybe you want a music career, modeling career, movie career, TV career. But if you're not going to be working with good people, don't sell your soul for any opportunity because it's not worth it. Thank you both for I know it's painful to share your story, but it brings to life exactly what we're talking about and what so many women have gone through and how this is so institutionalized. I said it last week. This is the tip of the iceberg. All right, Tracy, we appreciate you being with us. Same Kaya. We'll see you both on TV tonight. Well, Steve is very committed. He's a friend of mine, and he's very committed to getting things passed. I mean, look, I, I have, you know, despite what the press 
rights. I have great relationships with actually many senators, but in particular with most Republican senators. But we're not getting the job done. And I'm not going to blame myself, I'll be honest. They are not getting the job done. We've had health care approved, and then you had a surprise vote by John McCain. Uh, we've had other things happen, and uh, they're not getting the job done. And I can understand where Steve Bannon's coming from, and I can understand, to be honest with you, John, I can understand where a lot of people are coming from, because I'm not happy about it, and a lot of people aren't happy about it. We need tax cuts. We need we need health care. Now, we're going to get the health care done. In my opinion, what's happening is as we meet, Republicans are meeting with Democrats because of what I did with the CSRs, because I cut off the gravy train. If I didn't cut the CSRs, they wouldn't be meeting. They'd be having lunch and enjoying themselves, all right? They're right now having emergency meetings to get a short-term fix of health care. My relationship with this gentleman is outstanding has been outstanding. We are working very hard to get the tax cuts. We will continue to work hard to get the health care completed. I'm going to be surprising some people with an economic development bill later on, but I haven't even told Mitch because I want to focus on tax cuts and some other things right now. All right. That was the president earlier today after his meeting with Mitch McConnell. And uh, yeah, a lot of people are frustrated. And what they're referring to is that that uh, Steve Bannon, a Breitbart, has said he's going to war against establishment Republicans and people like McConnell have to go. Well, it's not unfamiliar if you listen to this program, what I think about Mitch McConnell and his inability to get things done. Now, in fairness to the House, and they haven't been exactly perfect either, but they got the health care bill done. They were able to send over 280 bills, some really good bills, Kate's Law, uh, the Sanctuary City bill. We did get finished, thankfully, the Vets bill. But there are 280-plus bills that the Senate hasn't even picked up that the House has passed. And that means the Senate's not getting their job done. And now they're going to, I guess, go forward with the budget today. And then after that, they're going to deal with the tax cut bill. Whether or not this is going to get done, I don't know. Joining us now, one of the few people in Washington I actually trust to keep his word and work hard is the chairman of the Freedom Caucus, Mark Meadows of North Carolina, Congressman Tom Garrett Jr. of uh, Virginia. He's also a Freedom Caucus member. I know you spent a lot of time talking to these senators. Where do you think this stands at this moment? I mean, where's McCain? Where's Mr. Crybaby Corker? Where is, you know, where's Susan Collins? Where's Lisa Murkowski? Where are all these people on the tax cuts? Well, uh, Sean, thank you for uh, allowing me to join you and be with your listeners again today. I can tell you that uh, it is still a work in progress. I'm, I am more optimistic on the tax reform side of things. I believe that the Senate will pass a budget this, this week. I uh, was on the phone with Secretary Mnuchin, you know, literally within the last hour or so, working on making sure that we don't fumble. You know, we fumbled twice, as you, uh, as your lead-in would suggest, on on health care, we got down to the final votes and they weren't there, whether it was Senator McCain or the, the leader's inability to put together a coalition in the Senate. We can't afford to fumble this time. And uh, our, the growth, the, the economy depends on it. And so it's all hands on deck this week. But I, I am optimistic that it'll pass. I think we'll end up with uh, the vice president casting a deciding vote uh, on the budget and that we'll go ahead and move quickly to. So to you think the budget gets you think the budget gets done this week in the Senate, the one that was passed last week in the House? Uh, well, I, I think that it'll be a different budget. They'll do one that'll have a one point five trillion dollar holding. Uh, it'll go to conference. But that conference will be a very quick conference committee. 
that'll actually just make sure that we can get the tax cuts and, and, and put it across the finish line and get it to the president's desk before the end of the year. What do you think the odds are? Because I was a little higher now, about to be blunt and honest, you know, Mitch McConnell, oh, you know, there are these artificial deadlines. This needs to be done this year. I mean, it's amazing that the president had to act on his own on Iran, act on his own on health care. The only reason health care won't collapse next year is because the president was able to thread the needle with this 1974 law that allows corporations to buy across state lines. And and it also eliminates the the burdens of of state regulations and ACA regulations. Well, you you got it right. Yeah. All right, Tom, go ahead. No, well, I mean, look, the good news is that I think that even Mitch McConnell's starting to feel some pressure. The bad news is that he should have to feel pressure in order to be compelled to do his job. And so, you know, yeah, we passed something out of the out of the House on health care and it died in the Senate. The, you know, the antitrust exemption for health insurers passed the House and languishes in the Senate. Um, but we were we were founded by people who knew that by putting their names on the declaration, they were putting their very lives at risk and they were willing to do it because it was the right thing. We've devolved into a political class of people who only do what they think they need to do to perpetuate their own power and notoriety. And it's shameful and un-American. But praise God for folks like yourself and Mark Meadows who are getting the word out. Um, we have a discharge petition in the House right now uh, that would put a full repeal on the floor with a two-year sunset so we could actually debate and do our jobs on health care. Even Barack Obama said the Affordable Care Act has real problems, unquote. Eight percent of the GOP conference has signed on to this discharge petition. This is identical to the bill that 100 percent voted for when President Obama held the veto pen. pen. So, you know, let's, let's, let's get members to put their money where their mouth is, find out who was ta- telling us when they ran for office, John McCain, that they were going to do something, and now they've had multiple chances to do it. And then we need to understand that it's our responsibility to serve the people and not ourselves. And if we do that, we'll get back to what made this country great to begin with. Boy, you really have some shy and, uh, you know, really uh, non, uh, very reserved members of the caucus there, Congressman Meadows. Um, <laughs> well, I can tell you, I think we're like a lot of uh, your listeners. We're tired of excuses. It's time to get action, uh, and whether it's on health care. And actually, the president has had to go it alone. You know, we've seen se- several executive orders in the last uh, couple of weeks that actually is uh, will start the process of, of lowering health care premium. But he can't go it alone on, on tax reform because uh, it's all about cutting those taxes. I can tell Jim Jordan and I are meeting with Democrats to try to make sure that if we have a failure on the Republican side, whether it be in the well, Senate, how or is in that the going? House, that we have, you know, it's actually going very well. We've had, uh, I've had some real good conversations with both House and Senate Democrats that realize that uh, we've got to get this economy going and. Uh, and I'm not going to rely on just a John McCain or somebody to hold us up at the last minute. We, we've got to perform, and we've got to actually support the president's agenda. I'm, I'm optimistic that we'll get there and get it across the finish line uh, by Thanksgiving. Well, I, I hope so. I was told that October is the month, and this is what Paul Ryan told me, October this should be done in the House, and November was the Senate's month. Is that on track, assuming this bill passes this week? Well, assuming this bill passes this week, you know, Tom, uh, Tom Garrett and I have been working real hard to make sure that we do our part. And we did, as you mentioned last week. Uh, but I think by Thursday of this week, we'll see a budget come out of the Senate. Uh, it'll go to conference very quickly. Uh, hopefully we take it up the last week in October uh, in conference and then uh, start to put the 
the actual tax reform bill start coming out of uh, Ways and Means in, in the House and the corresponding committee in the Senate. Uh, but but really, people could care less about the process. What they want are the results, and, uh, and you're right to hold Congress accountable. Well, I think that if they don't get this done, I, I don't even see a future for the Republican Party, to be honest, because... You know, I don't care what Mitch McConnell says he's going to do next year, but the people that need the benefit of these tax cuts, the middle class, the forgotten men and women that made this election what it was, uh, their patience is running thin. My patience is running thin. And, you know, I was happy with what the president was able to do on his own last week for health care. At least it gives groups and association an opportunity to use the purchasing power of many to lower down their premium costs and they could buy the best plans across state lines which corporations have had the benefit of doing and they can buy different plans and you know to me that just makes the most sense but you know it took the president acting on his alone again just like it takes the president acting alone again on iran the president keeps ticking off his list of promises and you're not getting a movement out of congress and by the way i saw congressman garrett i saw that you had some death threats prior to a town hall you were in everything work out all right well look i served in the army they they didn't want they they, they, they tried to kill me there too so we'll be all right sean the, the constitution of the united states is the most amazing foundational document ever created by man and president trump is having to work around the Constitution to accomplish things, which tells you there's a real problem with the people who populate um, the elected body. But I, and I, let me shamelessly plug here. If you go to TomGarrettForCongress.com, you can see if your congressman has signed on to the discharge petition for a full repeal. We have a list of names and a thank you. And if they haven't, ask them what was different in 2015 when they voted for the exact same language, other than the fact that they knew the bill would be vetoed by President Obama. Let's see who meant what they said. Well, we've, we've been, we've, we've been down this road. I mean, I we discovered there's a hundred House colleagues of yours in your party that never had any intention of repealing and replacing Obamacare, which then led to, to people like Mark Meadows and others having to thread the needle and just get the best we could get, and it finally got out of the House with one vote after working for two months to get that done. And then in the Senate, seven people that voted just to repeal only back in 2015. And how many of them had TV commercials saying they wanted to repeal and replace? Well, I mean, do you right. want me to start with uh, who? John McCain, and then we could, you know, go on from there. I mean, it's it, mind-numbing, well, but, but the system's I mean, worth saving. Got, it's the greatest country on earth. It, it's worth saving, but when you have a Senate full of hostile people towards the president, it makes it difficult. Yes, sir. Well, well, Steve, uh, you know, Steve Bannon uh, is getting criticized for calling uh, for really an all-out warfare on the GOP establishment. But, but Sean, you've been saying that for some time. Is that if they're not willing to legislate like conservatives, then then we need to find people who will. And uh, and and I think that this is for the first time. You know, but we've always been able to blame it on somebody else. We've been able to say, well. We didn't have the Senate, so that was the problem. Well, the, the American people gave us the Senate. Well, then we said, well, we don't have the White House. And so the American people gave us the White House. We are out of excuses. It's time to deliver. And if we don't, uh, then you're right. I, I think that the midterm elections will be devastating uh, for the GOP majority. And, and ultimately, the majority hangs in the balance. I got to be honest. I don't think I can support any of these people if they can't get this done. I really don't. All right. Stay right there. We'll continue more with uh, Congressman Mark Meadows. He is the chairman of the Freedom Caucus and Congressman Tom Garrett of Virginia. 800-941-SEAN is on number. More with Mark Meadows and Congressman Tom Garrett, Jr. Straight ahead. 
All right, as we continue with the chairman of the Freedom Caucus, Mark Meadows of North Carolina, and Congressman Tom Garrett, Jr. of Virginia. All right, let's go through the timeline here, because you guys are on vacation this week, but you already passed the budget, right? So now the Senate will take up their version, and what? Then it goes to conference and hopefully to the president's desk? Well, what they will do is they'll actually uh, – two things will happen there, Sean, is it it will pass in the Senate, I believe, by a narrow uh, margin – this week, it'll go to conference, we'll come together, we'll actually pass a, a budget with reconciliation instructions. It's those instructions that are the key uh, component to deciding what we're going to get in tax cuts for uh, middle income wage earners, for corporations, for small businesses across the, the board. And so uh, this is the first step of what I would say a, a three-step process. Uh, the second step will happen very quickly. The third step, really, the jury will be out until the end of November to see if we can actually uh, come and vote on a tax reform package that actually lowers rates and puts our economy back to place. So uh, so the, the end of October critical and then another critical stretch towards the end of November. And what's your take when you speak, Tom Garrett, Congressman, to some of the Senate colleagues when you guys run into each other? Don't most senators think that they're above talking to you low lives in the House? I was going to say, Sean, what world do you live in where senators actually speak to the likes of me? Yeah. Um, No, I think that the best thing that's going on right now is that there's actual pressure for people to do their jobs. And meanwhile, again, parallel, it's the worst thing that's going on because we shouldn't need to feel pressure to do what we said we were going to do when we ran for office. That, that's the fundamental flaw. It's not the system. The Constitution in our system is amazing. The component parts are broken. Um, but I do think we're going to get something done. I, Mark Meadows and, and Jim Jordan's leadership is really inspirational to me. Um, and, and, but I think that the reason it's going to happen is that the American people, and embodied by the actions of the president, are fed up with rhetoric backed up by nothing. Well, I just think if they don't act now, they don't get this done after the colossal failure of Obamacare. I think most Americans, I think Steve Bannon is going to get that much more energized. And frankly, if they if the Senate, if Senator McConnell can't get this done by the end of the year, I I want him to leave that position. All right, Congressman, we appreciate the job. The only people I really trust in Washington is the Freedom Caucus at this point. A couple of senators, not a lot of them. All right, we'll take a quick break. News Roundup and Information Overload. Yeah, now it looks like Colin Kaepernick's going to sue for the right to play in the NFL. He says he's being discriminated against. Burgess Owens, Joe Theismann, they weigh in straight ahead. Stay right here for our final News Roundup and Information Overload. A lot of people, I was surprised watching all last year with Colin Kaepernick guy praised a murdering thug dictator he had socks that depicted cops as pigs and and other issues he actually donated to a charity that actually supported a cop killer and then we saw the nfl and you took it on it appears based on the letter that roger goodell put out yesterday that donald trump initiated a debate over standing for the flag and our anthem and those that fought blood and died and looks like you won so I watched Colin Kaepernick, and I thought it was terrible. And then it got bigger and bigger and started mushrooming. And frankly, the NFL should have suspended him for one game, and he would have never done it again. They could have then suspended him for two games, and they could have suspended him if he did it a third time for the season, and you would never have had a problem. 
But I will tell you, you cannot disrespect our country, our flag, our anthem. You cannot do that. All right, News Roundup and Information Overload Hour on the Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN, our toll-free uh, telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. We have some developments. Well, I saw the 49ers back on their knees again this weekend. One of the teams uh, took a knee. I saw the Patriots do it in the Jets game. They turned their back and gotten on the knees at that point. Who else and did the you New see? Orleans Saints. And the New Orleans Theirs Saints. probably worse than everybody else's. Yeah, unbelievable. Anyway, Colin Kaepernick is now taking a stand and... He's now the most polarizing quarterback in what is a free agent pool, and he's filed a grievance against NFL owners for collusion, alleging the league entered into an enforced, implied, or express agreements to specifically deprive Kaepernick of employment. And he's got Mark Garagos, is now his attorney, is a pretty good attorney. I've known Mark for many, many years, very aggressive and tough. And uh, anyway, Kaepernick filed under the collective bargaining agreement, not through the NFL Players Association, and he's hired Garagos, uh, a lawyer who has represented a lot of high-profile clients like Michael Jackson and, and many others and was very, very outspoken during the Clinton impeachment years. So uh, where does this go? There's also a town hall article on Roger Goodell, killing the goose that laid the golden egg. And basically the piece goes on to say that, you know, by him not taking a stand as he has with other free speech issues, it is now hurting the league and hurting it greatly. Burgess Owen is with us, NFL Super Bowl champion, author of the brand new book, Liberalism, or How to Turn Good Men into Whiners, Weenies, and Wimps. And Joe Theismann is with us, former quarterback for the Redskins and host of the NFL show Playbook. Welcome b- both of you back to the program. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Sean. Good to be with you, Sean. You Thank know, you. Hey, Jeff. All right, let <laughs> hey, me. Good, buddy. Let's talk with you. You have a friend. It's been a long time. You too. I know. You guys weren't friends on the football field, what I remember. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I, was, I was a Jet, uh, uh, Sean. So, you know, Joe used to beat us up all the time whenever we played, I believe. Listen, was, uh, did, at that time, Joe was, Joe was the person. One of the worst films to ever watch is when Joe gets his <laughs> leg broken. And that was a, a career-ending break for him, which was a, a tough break. Um, well, thank you for bring, thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> well, I bring it up because every time you're on, I get like a hundred thousand emails saying, "Did you ever see it? Here's the video." And I'm I like, know, "I know, I know." Well, listen. First, let me say I appreciate people caring as much as they do. I really do. So, um, but you know, fortunately, I'm able to do everything I want to do. Um, but you know, for me, it was uh, it was a, it was a life-changing experience. But this is also what we're going through now is basically, I think, an NFL-changing experience. I, I, um, when Colin Kaepernick first took a knee, and I believe it does disrespect the flag, I believe it does disrespect the veterans, and I believe that you should stand for the national anthem. That's, that's my feeling, and my stance hasn't changed one bit over that period of time. But now it has mushroomed into something so much more that you have sponsors of the NFL stepping in and considering possibilities going forward and this is this is a groundswell that has come up now and um there are a lot of people who have a lot of opinions about what is taking place in the nfl do you like what you're saying no i don't no i don't I either don't. and neither does i don't know and i think this is no, bad for business i think i i honestly think roger goodell has allowed this to get out of hand and i'll give you a couple examples you can't twerk you can't you can't taunt other players. You can't put 9-11-01 on the 15th anniversary of the worst terror attack and put the words never forget on your cleats. Uh, those are all, quote, violations of freedom of speech. Nobody 
had any the Dallas Cowboys wanted to honor those slain officers last year with an emblem on their helmets. They were denied that opportunity. And Roger Goodell didn't do anything here. And it's it's really odd to me that he doesn't. Well, well can, it's, I, it's can, gone. I say, can I make, Go ahead. Can, can I make a real quick quick point about why this is such a, a, a good thing for us to happen? Because what we see here on the sidelines is the, the national attack on the black community for over a decade. Uh, these these young men uh, that are very, very successful cannot leave behind what's been taught to them by the Marxists and the socialists in the black community. It's been an anti-black, I mean, anti-white, anti-white, uh, anti-American anti-flag, there's been a sentiment that's been going on for years, and it's been purposely put there. So so even when those that are successful cannot reach back and say, guys, this is the greatest place in the history of mankind. Let me show you how we did it. Because in their mind, they didn't. They were, they were lucky. They were lucky to break out. So I'm glad we had this conversation because Americans do what they do best. Now we know we're in the fight. Let's get in and help these young people to recognize the enemy is not white people. It's not America. It's not the flag. It's socialists and Marxists, blacks and whites who purposely bring misery to our race so they can get their power. And once you identify who they are and what they're all about, we're going to truly uh, root out this evil that has been put in, and put in, put in place over the last few uh, decades. You know, Joe, I've, one of the things that I love about the NFL, and I mentioned this when this controversy first arose, I mean, at the end of games, I mean, you got two teams, you got professional players, they're all doing their job. And they're warriors out there, the best of the best, and they're all trying to kill each other in many ways and win the game and doing everything they can do to win the game. And then often after the game, players, both teams, would get in a circle and they'd say a prayer. Sometimes the ref even gets in, and it's black and white. It's not a matter of race on the field. You know, if you look in the stands, you know, people love the players. They love the talent. They love the gifts that's on display. They love the game. They love the game, and they love those that are the best at the game. And it's now, because it's now become so political, people are pulling out. I've never been less interested in the NFL than I am this season. And I'm getting more and more comments from people as I travel around the country expressing the same sentiment. Um, But here's my point. Where does it it go now? I I think after the Colin Kaepernick kneeling, there could have been a possibility um, of maybe stemming it before the tide became too big. And since the president's tweet, I think more and more players have taken a position versus President Trump's tweet as they did compared to what their real purpose was going to be. Um, I, I just, to me, like I said, I, the flag stands for something to me. This is my personal opinion. I think you stand for it. I think you stand at attention for it when the national anthem is played, because I think of the men and women that have sacrificed their lives. Now, we've reached a point where there's a tremendous groundswell. Where does it go from now? Where, I, would, I would like to see those players that are kneeling, those players that have chosen to take the stance that they have taken, go meet with the community individuals. Go meet with the police commissioners. Go meet with people in the community. Take your cause out into the streets in a very, very civil way and say, let's sit down and let's try and figure out how we can help some of the inequities that exist, how we can deal with some of the situations that that have come up and existed. I think we could start in Chicago, right? Probably a good place to start. Well, any any major city. And see, the the NFL owners are actually going to meet this week to discuss what they should do. And, And, you know, at what point, you know, we've already seen the NFL start to suffer a bit. DirecTV has made some overtures. Budweiser has made some overtures to fans to get their input. Um, it is affecting the NFL, and it's a bottom-line business. And when you start affecting and talking about sponsorships, you're affecting the bottom line of the game. 
I, I just think I think players have made their point. I really do. I think players have made their point. But now, what's going to come of this? Is it just going to go away? The players knelt. The players didn't stand for the national anthem. They didn't honor the flag. Like I say, my opinion. But where do we go next? That's that. You know, if we, it keeps of, if it keeps happening, Joe. If, where do we go next? If it keeps happening, you're going to lose your base, and the base is. You know, people that that honor and respect that flag. And when you lose well, your it, base, I don't know if they're going to be so quick to come back. And especially considering the expense that an average family pays, you know, to go to a game. Average tickets, 100 bucks. You know, you buy two, I, I, two, two jerseys for your kids, a, a couple of beers at $100 a beer, or seemingly. Um, uh, and you buy a couple of Cokes and a couple of hot dogs, it's 800 bucks. But where, where does it, can I where say does it this, guys? Can I say one, one thing real quick? Because we, we are at a point where we have to have some very serious conversation. And it's, it's really more than the NFL. The NFL is, I mean, it's, it's great that we have this as a, as a place to point to. But here, here's the real deal. There's 83% of black teen males across our country that's unemployed. There's 7% of black men that forsake their marriage. And we only have 3.8% of, of black people involved with the Korean Prize system. And how about this? 6% of black men. And percentage-wise, but yet 40% of them are, are handling or dealing with the violent crime. That's what's going on within the community. That's why these kids are so frustrated because they see that, they understand it, and there's no one addressing it. What we have to do is understand the true racist in this country is to have those numbers put out. And, and Sean, what you used to do was, was talk about all the, mur- the murders going to Chicago. How many people think that's normal within the black community? How many people think it's normal for black people to think in a certain way only because they're black? That's true racism, and that comes from the Democratic Party that that's, has, has put this narrative out. You know, I, I think I need to do it again and, and, and put those names on because there was 3,900 people killed during Obama's presidency in his adopted hometown of Chicago in shootings. Then you had 18,000 shootings in the last six years of his presidency. Now, I couldn't believe that the president would weigh in on high-profile cases like George Zimmerman, Trayvon Martin, or Freddie Gray, Baltimore, or Michael Brown in, in Ferguson and, and the Cambridge police. But meanwhile, his own hometown, it was like 50 shootings a weekend, and nobody uttered a phrase about it. And I started scrolling the names of people, and I'm like, I bet you don't know any of these names. And the reason is is because we don't pay attention, and it's happening right in front of our face. It's, it's literally talent being blown away every weekend. And wasted and destroyed. It's sad. All right, well, we... It is sad. And, 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 and really, Sean, it's, I think that's, that's the point I want to make is where do we go from here uh, regarding the NFL? The players have taken a, somewhat of a stance. A lot of the players have taken a stance. There's, there's 1,350 guys roughly that dress every Sunday, Thursday, whatever, every week for a ball game. The percentage is up to probably about four, three to 400 of them that are kneeling now. But what are we going to do? How? You know, certainly the change that has to happen is not going to happen overnight. But we have to start to see signs of something changing going forward. There needs, like I said, if these players are going to take this stance, then what they ought to do is get out into the community as well and get be involved in being a part of the change. You know, you've identified a problem, but are you going to be part of the solution or are you just going to say this is the problem we have? I think that's one of the things that players do, and in society as well. There's no question there are inequities. There are no question there are problems. But we, we need to see some positive signs from somewhere that say that, the tide is changing. The tide is turning. All right, got to take a break. We'll come back. We'll have more with Burgess Owen and Joe Theismann. And then we'll get to your calls next half hour, 800 941 
right, as we continue with Joe Theismann and Burgess Owens about the latest with Colin Kaepernick in the NFL, the owners would work with the players, but they've got to also understand that almost every person that goes to a game knows somebody either in their family or a close friend or relative that fought, bled, and died in war for this country. And they fought under that flag, and they're not taking this lightly. No, they're not. I mean, this this I don't know how many people realize how critical a period of time this is for the NFL. This is this is truly a game-changing period for the NFL. No, they've been very slow to act, I'll tell you that, Joe. They've been very slow to deal with it, and they seem afraid to deal with it. Well, I think they don't have an answer, and I think that is part of the problem, is if you don't have somewhat of an answer for the solution, or an answer to the problem, the solution is slow in coming. Yeah. And I think this, this this meeting this meeting is monumental in New York this week with the owners. Can, can I can I add in one real quick thing because we, we do have an answer, and it's not going to come from the the NFL. It's not going to come from. The, I mean, the players have allowed us now to see there's a problem they have within the community that is uh, been put upon them for the last decades. It's going to be we the people. We're going to now as Americans we have woken up. We now understand there's an issue there. We're going to get in there. And we're going to start to put our income and our time and roll up our sleeves to help those. Those organizations that truly are helping our kids, not NAACP, which is nothing but a, a front for Marxists, but real programs that help our kids to, to, to be mentored, to believe again, to be educated, to feel like they can become part of the free enterprise system. We the people, now that America's waking up, it is going to be a powerful, powerful influx of help. And, and that is the worst thing for the left to see, is for our kids to have hope again. So I'm very encouraged by the fact that this line has been drawn by the president. And we're no longer going to put down our flag. And now these kids who have never had this conversation in the black community, we're now having a conversation as to why people don't agree with them. And if they try to convince us, we now can, can share why it is that, that, that the left has really has, has left them down. So I'm, I'm very excited about where we are now, and I think it will be a great offseason coming up, uh, coming, coming towards this coming year. All right, guys, good to talk to you both, Burgess Owen and Joe Theismann. Uh, this is an important discussion. We'll continue. And if Kaepernick keeps blaming the president and keeps lashing out and everybody keeps taking a knee, I think this season's going to go bust pretty quick. I think people's patience now is at their end. We'll see what comes of these meetings this week. All right, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. When we come back, your call's coming up straight ahead. 800-941-SEAN, and we'll continue. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. All right, let's go back. If you have kids in the car, it's Guess What's in My Pants, a bit done by Jimmy Kimmel. And he has women using both their hands, and he suggests even their mouth to determine what is in his pants. Yeah, that area. And I want to play that again. This game show is called Guess What's in My Pants. Now, I've stuffed something in my pants, and you're allowed to feel around on the outside of the pants. You have 10 seconds to then guess what is in my pants. You ready? Set. Go. You should use two hands. Two hands. I thought it was like a Red Bull or something. You think it's, is that your final answer? Wow. Jesus. You're going to make you're going to make a fine wife. Before, haven't you? All right. Right there? I mean, yeah? Just, just a few more seconds. Good thing I wore the rubber underpants. And your guess is? Vibrator? A vibrator? No, it is actually a zucchini with a rubber band on it. But you can use it as a vibrator if you want. Look. What are you doing? Thank you. By the way, this 
just kicked the crap out of the Ben Stein show. You've worked, on, you've worked on a farm, haven't you? How old are you? 18. Okay, good. You sure of that? Because <laughs> Uncle Jimmy doesn't need to do time. It's not going to bite you. Think that you hold a pencil? I think it's a very creative guess, but no, it is not. It is actually a thing that goes in the sink. Ooh. You see, it's round, it's hard. Yeah, yes. A little squishy on the side. Yeah, sometimes. It's just a little... well... Yeah. Maybe it would be easier if you put your mouth on it. <laughs> mouth, press, whatever you like. And guess what is in my pants? I need my... Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Yes, you gave me I don't know. I can't think. <laughs> Feel harder, feel a little bit faster. Squeeze. Squeeze. It feels like it... Feels like what? I have no clue. What is in my pants is... Half a jelly donut. I ate ate the other half earlier. This is a good game. This is a good game. It feels kind of like squid. A chicken leg. Tastes like Martinez. Oh, no, wait, Martinez tastes like chicken. Yeah, feel around. And if you could feel around in a back and forth motion. It's gradually getting faster and... That's a dildo. Let's see if she's right. It is actually a king crab leg. You've got a nice technique there. You could get in the Olympics with this, let me tell you. Something maybe rubbery and squishy? Hold on one second, I need to talk to my penis right there. I'm going to beat the life out of you when we get home. Okay, go right back to work. Sure you're right. yeah. A wet paper towel. A wet paper towel? No, it's a handful of bologna. <laughs> it was a sandwich before you got to work on it, but that's nice. You really... Are you going to eat it for me now? Mm. That's the real man, baby. It's like a thing of maybe like racquetballs or something. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations, you guys! And there you go, five hundred dollars just for guessing what was in my pants. That's pretty impressive, I have to say. Then this is Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, whining. Oh, people aren't watching. And good riddance to the people who don't agree with me on health care and gun violence. Great way to build an audience, by the way. Alienate half the country. I want everyone with a television to watch the show. But if they're so turned off by my opinion on health care and gun violence, then I don't know. I probably won't want to have a conversation with them anyway. Good riddance. Well, not good riddance, but riddance. <laughs> then we've got more lying from the left with Hillary, and then our last cut will be Donald Trump responding. You are a, a beacon of feminism. You talk of, you know, for women's rights. You knew Harvey Weinstein well. At what stage, and you must have known the rumors about him, Harvey no, will be no, Harvey. I'm not, no, I did not. I, I did not I mean, know. But everyone knew rumors about him. Not specific cases, but well, everyone knew that Harvey Weinstein, apparently, in his circle, um, was a little bit, you know, well, I, all I can tell you is that I did not hear those things. Look, we just elected a person who admitted sexual assault to the presidency. Uh, so there's a lot of other issues that are swirling around these uh, kinds of behaviors that need to be addressed. And I think it's uh, important that we stay focused and shine a bright spotlight. 
and try to get people to understand how damaging this is. And the women coming forward is the only way that that story will be told. This kind of behavior cannot be tolerated anywhere, whether it's in entertainment, politics. After all, we have someone admitting to being a sexual assaulter in the Oval Office. There has to be a recognition that we must stand against this kind of, uh, you know, action that is so sexist and misogynistic. And this depends upon women coming forward and having the courage to come forward. And yet in your book, the three women brought onto stage Mm -hmm. by Trump attacking your husband, and you kind of dismiss them. Was that the right thing to do? Are you sure about that? Well, yes, because that had all been litigated. I mean, that was the subject of a huge, uh, you know, investigation, as you might recall, in the late 90s. And uh, there were conclusions drawn, and that was clearly in the past. Uh, But it is something that has to be taken seriously. As I say, for everyone, not just for those in entertainment right now. When they take a knee, there's plenty of time to do knees and there's plenty of time to do lots of other things. But when you take a knee, she, well, that's why she lost the election. I mean, honestly, it's that thinking that is the reason she lost the election. When you go down and take a knee or any other way, you're sitting, essentially, for our great national anthem. You're disrespecting our flag. And you're disrespecting our country. And the NFL should have suspended some of these players for one game. Not fire them. Suspended them for one game. And then if they did it again, it could have been two games and three games and then for the season. You wouldn't have people disrespecting our country right now. And, and if Hillary Clinton actually made the statement that in a form sitting down during the playing of our great national anthem is not disrespectful, then I fully understand why she didn't win. I know... I, I mean, I mean, look, there are a lot of reasons she didn't win, including the fact that she was not good at what she did. But I will tell you, that is something that I had just heard about. And I think that I think that her statement in itself is very disrespectful to our country. When they take a knee, there's plenty of time to do knees and there's plenty of time to do lots of other things. But when you take a knee, she, well, that's why she lost the election. I mean, honestly, it's that thinking that is the reason she lost the election. When you go down and take a knee or any other way, you're sitting, essentially, for our great national anthem. You're disrespecting our flag and you're disrespecting our country. And the NFL should have suspended some of these players for one game, not fire them, suspended them for one game. And then if they did it again, it could have been two games and three games and then for the season. You wouldn't have people disrespecting our country right now. And and if Hillary Clinton actually made the statement that in a form sitting down during the playing of our great national anthem is not disrespectful, then I fully understand why she didn't win. I know, I, I mean, I mean, look, there are a lot of reasons she didn't win, including the fact that she was not good at what she did. But I will tell you, that is something that I had just heard about. And I think that, I think that her statement in itself is very disrespectful to our country. All right. That was the president responding to Hillary Clinton. And I mean, when you listen to her comment, we just elected to the presidency someone who admitted to sexual assault. Uh, Hello, Bill Clinton, somebody. What sexual assault did he admit to? Do you know what what she's talking about? Because I don't know. Is it the words? It's been litigated, Sean. Okay, it's been litigated. Okay, from from 10 years ago now. There's not an you know what the fascinating let me tell you what I believe happens. You have big money people, the same people that fund efforts to get conservatives off the air. 
These are the people that monitor every word conservatives utter on radio, television, anything they write, anything they say. There are people on the left that literally have, let's just say, walking around money, as it used to be referred to in years gone by, to get people to vote. And they have money and the means of getting cash to individuals who say certain things. Hmm. That's not the case of Harvey Weinstein. Even he, he's admitting he's a pig. So, I mean, even his own brother said he's a pig and abusive. How much more evidence do you want? And what they're trying to do here is they're trying to now flip this on Trump. And it's because they're so, you know, look at everything that Harvey Weinstein did. Harvey Weinstein, literally Hillary Clinton, you know, is, is falling down the stairs, supposedly, and has to cancel interviews because she can't answer why she took Harvey Weinstein's money to bankroll her husband's uh, defense in the Monica Lewinsky and Paula Jones cases. And Weinstein now has had questions have left Bill and Chelsea also on the run. And the Clinton Foundation won't give back the money, just like they won't give back the money from these countries that abuse and practice Sharia law and abuse women. And the DNC is keeping 90 percent of the money. And, you know, at, at some point, you got to realize this is ridiculous. All the people out there. And then Hillary Clinton, sexism and misogyny are are endemic in our society. Yeah, look at your own husband. And she not only didn't speak out, she was part of an effort to smear and slander and besmirch, use character assassination techniques against all the women that accused her husband. Slick Willie. And there was Harvey Weinstein helping to pay for the bills. Pretty amazing. And uh, there were a lot of bills at that time. Let's get to our busy phones, 800-941-SEAN. All right, Chad is in Texas. Chad, hi, how are you? Glad you called, sir. Sean, thank you very much for taking the call. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Next to my nine-year-old son, you're the person who inspires me the most. Oh, you're very um, kind. Thank you. I, I saw this morning where you're going to come to Dallas on the 22nd uh, this month. I'm not a member of First Baptist Dallas, but looking forward to you being there. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be in Pastor Robert Jeffers' church for two services, one at 9 and I think one at 1030. And then on yep. Sunday, and this is all in relation, it's two weeks from, what, Thursday, October yep. 27th, uh, the movie that I've been working on for two years, it's called Let There Be Light. It's a faith-based film. I think it's, I think it's one of the best things I've ever worked on, one of the hardest things I've Find ever worked on. Find out more at lettherebelightmovie.com. Yeah, and uh, we now are putting up where you can buy your tickets, and... You know, we have like a three-week rollout. It's not like a, a, a typical quintessential Hollywood, you know, 4,000 theater rollout. It's going to be we're doing a few hundred, then adding a few hundred more, then a few hundred more. And, you know, hopefully uh, people like the movie and they tell their friends. But uh, I'm very proud of how it came out. And it's it's a movie with a message. I, this is going to make you move your heart, I can promise you. I can't wait to see it, and I uh, can't wait to see it in Dallas. Uh, well, first of all, uh, Sean, what I wanted to ask you. Th- first th- of all, yeah. Talking, yeah. <laughs> and I, I have uh, this talking point and a question to ask you about college football, actually. Yeah. Uh, all this NFL, not all NFL uh, players are protesting the flag and the anthem being conducted at the same time. Uh, but it, I'm sure you noticed the football you know, on Sundays that you do watch. There's a flag. There's an American flag, a sticker on their helmet. Is it in, uh, a, a, did you notice that? There, there's never any uh, protest. They just protest the flag and the anthem at the same time. But that flag on their helmet they don't. That doesn't seem to bother them. They don't. I'm surprised they didn't peel it off. Uh, have you recognized that in a question about who's your college football team 
and you got to get Rick Perry to take you to a Texas A&M home football game. It'll be the best thing you've ever experienced, Sean. Well, I'm I'm biased towards my son's school, and I don't want to talk about it because, you know, there are crazy people in this world, but I do have a bias now towards that team. I, I could say my wife graduated from Alabama. You know, Nick Saban by far is the best coach in, in college football today. Um, I was a fan growing up of Notre Dame, and I'll be honest, I just like watching all these student-athletes play, and the talent level is just off the charts amazing. And, you know, you can see little differences. They don't have maybe quite the level of some of the NFL players, and some do. And the amazing thing is so few of them will actually even get drafted into an NFL team. I mean, it's such an honor to get that, and you get a big salary to continue playing the sport you love. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm, I really am not interested. I'm not going to lie. I did watch some of the Jets and Patriots yesterday. That ending was ridiculous. The Jets got robbed. Uh, didn't you think? 100% they got robbed. That was the worst call I've ever seen. I felt bad for them. And who yeah, I was so upset, man, when that happened. I was like, oh, well, my all right, God. What, yeah, what, that, right, what the happened? The ball went the wrong way. I was the ball like, went oh the wrong way? Is that what God. happened? Tell me what happened in the Jets And game. then the other guy threw it to that guy who didn't get it, and I was like, it's over. It's over. Have you ever watched a football game in your life? Not once. Did you get Did you get a new mattress this weekend and get any furniture? I couldn't. I was watching the game for the first time. So the answer is you didn't go and get, you, you're still living on an air mattress. All right, that's going to wrap things up. Hannity, tonight, 9 Eastern, the president bypassing Congress and kicking ass and taking names. Is the Senate ever going to catch up? We've got Sebastian Gorka, Herman Cain. Then we've got the latest on Kaepernick challenging the NFL and a potential lawsuit coming. Well, we'll have a full debate. Burgess Owens joins us tonight. Also, how bad is it in terms of the casting couch? You'll meet two women that are victims of all of that and Pastor Daryl Scott. That's all coming up 9 Eastern. Set your DVR for the Fox News Channel, Hannity. writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 